So there are ten of these principles, these power principles we've been looking at. We looked at, uh, that we're going to be looking at, I'm sorry. And we've looked at only two so far. So there are eight more we do need to look at this morning. The first two we looked at, and you can read my sloppy writing here, uh, it's where we're kindness. We can always be kind in our marriages, kind to our spouses. And engaging teamwork, or that was another way of saying we could constantly be looking for opportunities to do things with our spouse. That builds connection and closeness. Whatever we can do with our spouse, we need to do that. That's something that God wants. Now, I'm going to go through the last two and lesson seven pretty quickly here. And the last two there have to do with service. We need to always be serving our spouse. And some of these things up here kind of tie into that. And I'll just give you some benefits to always seeking to serve our mate, serve our spouse. First, I want to write in such a way where everybody can see. I'll just jive here. It models, service models Jesus. It models Jesus. And that is, and I'll preach more about this in a couple of weeks from Philippians. But that is Paul's point in <coughs> Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, you know that famous section where he talks about how Jesus emptied himself, became a bond servant, died on the cross, was obedient to the point of death. Paul's not just giving us a history lesson there about Jesus. He, he's not just trying to repeat stuff that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John already told us. Paul is using Jesus as a model there for service. He is saying you need to be servants as Christians because your master was a servant. He's a servant at the highest level. And we need to serve not just the brethren, but we need to be serving our mate, our spouse, every single day, looking for those opportunities to serve. It also, service also, and I'll just put this, I'll, I'll short this a little bit, demonstrates value. When you serve somebody, when you're willing to get dirty for somebody and go out of your way to... Get on your knees and do for somebody else. That means you value them. You don't serve people you don't value. So if I'm always going out of my way to serve my wife and do things for my wife, I'm demonstrating value. I'm also investing. You have to invest in, 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 a, in a good marriage. It doesn't happen by accident. It takes effort. And I'll just say this, and I'll just put this word priorities down here, or priority... It prioritizes your marriage. You know, there's so many people we're serving every day in our lives. We go to a job, we're serving our employer. We're serving customers, maybe. We're always serving our kids. We're taking them to soccer practices and soccer games and basketball stuff and band stuff. Some of us are caregivers for parents. Take care of your parents. We serve, some of y'all serve so many people every day. We all do. But we can't get so bogged down serving everybody under the sun that we neglect the person we're one with. So being mindful of being a servant to our spouse helps us keep our spouse as a priority. They need to be a top priority in our lives. And then the last thing I want to say about this lesson, then we'll get to the next one, okay, is there's a section in there about physical touch. You see that? Have you ever noticed just how much Physical touch is a big deal in the Bible. How did Jesus heal people often? 
by touching them. Did he have to touch them? No. I mean, there are times when Jesus doesn't touch people and they get healed. But often it's the case that people experience his physical touch and they get his blessing. Read the Song of Solomon. That book will make you squirm a little bit. Okay? But it is about romantic love and sexual intimacy. And remember Judas, how did he betray Jesus ultimately? With a kiss. So that's a, that's a bad thing. That's a bad example there. But again, we remember that, don't we? We remember the kiss that he betrayed Jesus with. So we need to constantly be finding ways, and there are practical things there in your book there to think about, to embrace and touch our spouse. Because that shows care. That shows affection. That's a part of intimacy. You know, the only woman I have a right to touch in an intimate way is Janicia Jeffries. That is the only woman I have a right to touch in that way. That's a part of our intimacy. And touching also heals. You know, you ever came home, for us men, you ever came home from a long day, hard day at work, and just a simple rub on the back from your wife just makes you feel better, or a kiss on the cheek, or a hug from your husband women. It just makes it all better. There's power in, 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 in the physical touch. So I'll pause there. I want to get your comments on, uh, and I'll write here as you, as you talk. Uh, I put on here, care. Um, does anybody want to say, I'll give you a chance to think about this. Anything about these four things we need to be constantly uh, doing uh, in our marriages to keep them at a high level and to be glorifying, um, glorifying the Lord. Anything at all? Raise your hand. You got something you want to say? Maybe something you've been contemplating on the last couple of days here. Being kind, doing things. Yes, Janice. Yes, ma'am. I like the Philippians two example. Um, a lot of times in marriage, it can be hard, like, to put your spouse before yourself, especially when you're thinking about everything that you have going on. But when you stop to take a moment and think about that passage in the marriage context, that just takes it to another level. So I love that passage for any context, but I had never thought about it really in that way. No, I appreciate you saying that. You know, a lot of a lot of sections in the Bible, we think about them in so many different ways outside of marriage. You can even do First Corinthians 13 that way. Love is this, love is that, love is kind, love is... You put that in marriage. There are so many things in the Bible that we apply to the brethren... Or we'll apply to our kids or our co-workers. But we miss marriage. And Philippians 2 is one of those. It needs to be in the context of marriage also. Uh, anybody else here before we move on? Good comment, Janice. Very good. Oh, and now, uh, uh, Caitlin and Jason after that. Yes, ma'am, Caitlin. Um, I was just going to say, I think physical touch is like another way to show emotions non-verbally. Like to communicate things non-verbally. So I agree with that. that. What does it communicate when you don't want somebody to touch you? Because I've been that way before. Janice will tell you, like, when I get tense, sometimes a physical touch, like, ah, I, I don't want it. Well, that, that sends a bad signal, too. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it's amazing how Janice's touch has really done a lot of good in my life and calmed me down. Um, and, and it's kind of like when Abigail stopped David from going to kill uh, her foolish husband. A woman has a way of stopping a man at times from being a fool 
And one of the ways she can do this with a touch. A touch has done it for me many times. Jason, yes, sir. And then I'll come to you next table. The, the second part of that question, whenever you don't have it, what I wrote down is it closes off other aspects of your marriage. It closes off communication. It closes off oneness. And it closes off joy. Absolutely. So I like all of that. Closes off communication. Closes off oneness. Closes off joy. And you're talking about in the context of the physical touch. Right? I, I, that's a wonderful comment. Absolutely. I, I think that's worthy right now, y'all. I think that's it's coming from a man who's been married a little bit. So that's good. Um, yes, yes, ma'am. Um, I'll tell you, and then we'll move on. I just to add on to what she was saying. Um, like, sometimes it's hard to know what to say, right, when somebody's going through something. So sometimes a physical touch is like how she was, like, was saying, a nonverbal way of communicating. Like, you can say a thousand words. Say yeah. to make this situation better, or I don't know what you're wanting me to say, but I'm here for you. And that's another. Sometimes that's all we need. It's like when you go to a funeral. You know, sometimes when I first started preaching, I would always, or go see somebody in the hospital, always try to figure out, what's the, what do I need to say in this moment? Or I go to the funeral, I'm a preacher, I'm supposed to say, the, i got to think of this great thing to say. Or I'm going to see this person in the hospital, i got to think of this, this, you know, this great thing to say. No, you don't. Sometimes all people need used to be there. That says a thousand things right there. And the same go with a touch. A touch can say a thousand things, positive things, without you even having to open your mouth. Things the same principle. That's very good. Uh, let's look at the next part here. Lesson eight. There's four more here, and the first one here has to do with prayer. Prayer has to be a big part of marriage. It has to be. And you see, it's a certain kind of prayer. I mean, there are different kinds of prayers in the Bible. If you want a great example of different kinds of prayers, look at what Paul talks about in First Timothy uh, two. In First Timothy two, he talks about so many prayers of thanksgiving. Uh, you know, supplications. And then there's the intercessory prayer. Can somebody define, what did you put on that first blank there? What is the intercessory prayer? If I say we need to engage in prayers of intercession, what am I saying? Has anybody got a good, keep it simple for a guy from the, so a guy from the south can get it? What is the intercessory prayer? Yes. Jason said, on behalf of. Did y'all agree with that? And that's absolutely right. I even, I even, to go with Jason's point, to plead or make a petition for another. Same idea, on the behalf of somebody else. And there, those things are all to the Bible. Y'all know that, right? Remember when Abraham was uh, talking to the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah? He said, if there are 100 righteous people there, will you spare it? And get 50, 10? That is talking to the Lord and trying to make intercession. Abraham was in, trying to intercede for, for really his family that's there. What about Moses? Remember after the golden calf incident in Exodus 32? Moses goes to the Lord and says, Lord, please, please, I'll take it. You know, he's trying to make intercession for the people. Don't, 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 don't destroy your people and your, and your purposes. What about Jesus in Luke 22, 31, where Jesus told Peter, the devil has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have been praying for you, Peter. Jesus is praying for Peter. And then, remember what Paul said in Romans 10 and verse 1? My prayer and my heart's desire for Israel is that they would, that they be saved. That's prayers of intercession. So, I'm going to throw it out to you. 
Why is this important in marriage? Why is the the intercessory prayer? Why is this something we would include in this part of the lesson? Yes, ma'am, Caitlin. I actually have a question. Yes. Um, so I know that in general we're supposed to pray for each other, but is this specifically speaking on like <coughs> praying together about the person? I think it could include that. I think. The reason what we wanted to do is kind of make it what you wanted to make it. What I think of it as, I'm thinking of it as praying for your spouse. Just in general. Just in general. Okay. But certainly, you should be praying with your spouse for others, praying together. But in this particular context, Caitlin, that's a great question. I was thinking more in the lines of when I'm not with this woman here. And that's a lot of hours in the day. Because she has a job, she teaches. I need to be always praying for her. And here's the truth about it. Confession time. I don't do that enough. I have not done that enough. I'm so busy praying for everything under the sun. Praying for everybody in the family talking. Praying for my shepherds. Praying for this church. Praying for evangelistic opportunities. And I miss the person I'm with more than anybody else. So, that's a problem. So, I want to know why do y'all think this is so important? Why is that a problem? Why is it so important that I do better? Or that maybe you do better when it comes to not just praying for, you know, our brethren and everybody under the sun, but neglecting our spouse? What, how can that make our marriage better? Or maybe you have some things you, you want to contribute that can help us know what to pray for concerning our spouses. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Ashley. Sorry. Um... I think when you, you take the time to pray for your spouse, and even if it's just a prayer of how thankful you are for them, it's a good reminder of why you love them, why you married them in the first place, what a blessing they are to you. Um, and I think that when you are praying for them, it, it can be just something as simple as thank you for blessing me with this person, or knowing that there's something heavy on their mind, too. Like, sometimes when I know that he's got something that's weighing on him and I just said, I'll pray for you, I know that that helps him a lot. I like that a lot. There's somebody there, so. I like that a lot. It's especially the prayer of thanksgiving for your spouse. If you, if you are engaged in the prayer of thanksgiving every day for your spouse, make one of your prayers that. How is that going to help your marriage, you think? How would that help your marriage if you're always thanking God for Tanner? It makes me more patient. Okay. Sometimes. It makes me more understanding. And it and again, for me, especially, you know, with with kids and with the distractions of life, it gets very easy to take out some of those frustrations on, on your spouse and be like, really? Why? But then it when you are thanking God for this person. It flips that narrative to, this is why I married this person, and I'm so grateful they are yes. X, Y, and Z. No, I like that. I like that, because I, when I saw this, I was thinking along the lines, if I'm always thanking God for my spouse, it helps me avoid taking them for granted. Mm -hmm. That too. Yes. It's easier to take your spouse for granted. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes the people we're the angriest with are the people right in our home. <coughs> We'll come here and we'll fake smile, and you know, when we're having a bad day. But we're not going to do it at home. We're going to let it out. And we'll treat the people in our house the worst. But I think if we're doing prayers like this constantly, it'll bring us down a notch. It'll help to get our minds and wait a minute. God has been good to me. It's been 20 years, but it's been 20 years of blessing. 
Uh, anybody else have something here? Yes, sir. Pat, just kind of zoom back out a little bit. You know, Jesus makes the uh, the relationship of the church as the bride, you know, and, right. and he constantly prays for the people. Yes. You know? So we need to emulate that as the example as we are praying for our spouses like Jesus prayed for the people. Models, I'll, you can't ever go wrong with your model in Jesus. Can't ever go wrong when you're doing that, brother. I like that. Anybody else? Somebody over here has something. Yes, sir. It's another way to draw the attention away from yourself. Draws attention away from yourself. Less me and more of others from me. Now, Tara Owens, uh, NFL Hall of Fame football players, once said, I love me some me. You don't need that as Christians. Uh, it's not about me. It's about others. Absolutely. And prayer helps you with that. Uh, anybody else? Yes, sir, Jason. If the goal of our marriage is to glorify God, and one of us is struggling with something, and we are one, then we need to pray for our marriage and our spouse so that way we jointly can glorify God. Because um, our, our end goal as a couple is to... to Glorify God, yes. and we need our spouse to be as healthy spiritually, physically, and everything as they can be, and we want them to have have all the joy and love and everything that they need to be the best that they can be, so they can glorify glorify God. So we can also glorify God with them jointly because we're stronger together. I think that promotes you're talking about promoting that oneness. When when one, when when she struggles, I struggle, and when we pray by together, that that promotes unity in the marriage. I agree with that 100%. I think that's very good. You know, some things I drive down here, we could spend 30 minutes talking about this, but here's just some thoughts I have to go with your great thoughts. I'll write your thoughts down because yours are better than mine. I'll just tell you mine. I think prayer, the intercessory prayer in marriage, provokes positive thoughts. And it kind of goes with what Ashley was saying. When I'm praying for my wife, I can't help but think positive thoughts. No negative stuff there. I'm thinking positive thoughts about my wife. It connects me with her. If you pray, you got connection. You connect with God, but it's also, in a sense, connecting me with my wife. It's connecting me and my wife, and we're both connecting to God. It also shows this, and this is really what prayer is about. Prayer doesn't benefit God. God knows everything, right? We're not talking to God, and He's like, wow, I didn't know that. Man, y'all just educated me. No, when, when, when you pray, you're not benefiting God. You're benefiting yourself because you're showing dependence on God. And so when I'm praying for my marriage, praying for my spouse every day, it is demonstrating that I depend on God for a strong marriage. I need God if my marriage is going to be strong. I need God if I'm going to be one and be united. I need God if we're going to get through the problems we may be having right now. We need God if our marriage is going to be what it needs to be. That's what prayer is going to help us with. It shows dependence on God. And then I also say this, and it kind of ties back to this. One of the ways you can serve your spouse, we talk about serving, pray for them. And there are practical things we need to be praying about. You know, every day, and I'm preaching to Sean Jeffries right now. I need to be praying for the good health of my wife. God, bless my wife with good health. Bless her with a long life. God, bless her to safely make it to work. God, bless her to make it home from work. God, bless her to 
be safe on her lunch break if she decides to go somewhere and get a lunch. God, help my wife when she faces temptation today. Because the devil's after her too, like he's after me. God bless her. Deliver her from evil. God, help my wife grow spiritually. God, help my wife grow as a Christian, become more like Jesus Christ. And if I'm not married to a Christian, which some in here may be, please, God, bless me to, do, to be able to be effective to reach my spouse so they can obey the gospel. If you're, not, if you're married to a non-Christian, you should be praying that every day. Every single day. Those are some practical things that we need to be included in our prayers for our spouse every single day. And that is going to bless our marriages. Yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. Um, as you were saying that about the one that's married to maybe a non-Christian, for our children, their future spouses, or... For the people who are single, whoever that they may hope to marry, that they find someone who will help them get to heaven. I think that's a great point because we have single folks. This is for the young people in here. You know, if you want to get married one day, you need to be praying not just for a spouse, but for a godly spouse. Pray for somebody that's going to be willing to connect to the Lord with you. And I'm not saying... That physical attraction doesn't matter. It matters. In the Bible, it matters. How many times does God call certain women beautiful? And Abraham looks at Sarah, and she's beautiful to him. Jacob, why did he work like 14 years? <laughs> okay? It wasn't because uh, Rachel could cook an omelet really well. I mean, it was because she looked good. All right? That's just a fact. It's a fact. So, you need to be attracted to the person that you're with. There's no doubt about that. But don't let that be the most important thing. The most important thing needs to be the spiritual stuff. Okay? That needs to be the most important factor you're looking at. Because you can be married to somebody beautiful on the outside and they get ugly real quick. You know what I mean? So don't let that, don't let that be the main thing. And you need to pray about that. Uh, that's very good. Anybody else want to say something here about prayer and marriage? Anything at all? Got have feel is in your field. You can chime in anytime you want to, brother. Uh, yes, ma'am. For guidance and decision making throughout their day. Oh, yes. Decision making. I think that's where they're putting up here. Guidance. I'll just put guidance, but I like that idea. Does guidance have an E after? It's no, so you, don't, you leave the E off, right? right. Okay. Woo, man. I got a dumb preacher. Okay, guidance. All right. Okay, so we have spell check today. So so guidance, I like that. We wisdom. You know, we, we talk about asking God for wisdom. We need to be asking God to give wisdom to our spouse too. I like that a lot. Uh, anybody else? Yes, yes, ma'am. I read something a couple months ago and it said Imagine if you woke up with only the things that you thanked God for the night before that you prayed for. And, like, seriously, since then, my prayers have changed so much because I'm, like, I used to say such the mundane, like, thank you for our health, thank you for our home, like, love you, amen. You know, and so yeah. it's, like, it's once I had that perspective of, like, imagine you only woke up with the things that you thanked God for, I was, like, wow. Like, That's amazing. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to put that into practice. That, that really changed your perspective on some yeah. things. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's a good comment. 
Um, you got your hands. Just, just you want to say something, Phil? Like, go ahead, man. You're a preacher. I understand. Like, you on the chain right now. Go ahead. I'll let you loose. What do you want to say about this, Phil? When I think of intercession, I think of Moses standing in the breach between the people and God and interceding on their behalf. One of the special privileges we have as spouses is we know our spouse's needs, we know their struggles, we know their frustrations better than anybody else. Yes. And so when I go and I intercede on their behalf, being aware of their needs, I'm gonna be more mindful of not being an obstacle to them meeting those needs. So if Moses stands in the breach to, for the people to be more righteous, well then he's got to do the things and lead in a way that they can be more righteous. Does oh, that I make sense? That. So if I'm concerned about my wife's anxiety, dear Lord, help her not to be anxious. Well, <laughs> don't be don't be a source of that. Yes. Yes. And I'm yes. conscious of that yes. moving forward that hey we I need to be the one, and so as I'm interceding on their behalf, I'm kind of interceding on my behalf as well. Oh, I love that. Does that make sense? Help my that, no, eyes that, to be open yes. to what I need to be doing better for them. And, and, I, and I like that a lot, and, and, I, and I really like how you started it, about really knowing the needs and the struggles of your spouse. Nobody outside of God knows you ain't so better than Sean Jeffers. I know everything about that one. And the longer you with somebody, the more you learn. You learn all the time. And, and when I learn of things my wife needs, her struggles, when I pray about that stuff, it makes me conscious. I want to make sure I'm doing my part to help her out with that stuff. And God can use me even as a tool to help her with her needs. I like that a lot. That That's rich, Phil. And, and that's really what the intercessory prayer is really all about. That's really what it's all about. That's good stuff. So let's move now to the next one here. Good comments, everybody. Y'all are on fire right now. Uh, time. I want to say some things about time, and this kind of all connects to time, and all this stuff requires time. There are, there are two big things that uh, are big commodities, time and money, okay? And uh, time is an investment, like money. You invest with money. Time is an investment. And you got to be careful with your time, because you ever get to the end of a day, and you're like, man, I wish, like, I, wish I had like five more hours. You know what I mean? You ever had that? It happens to me all the time. But you but you can only get so much done in a day. So we got to do the right kind of stuff with our time. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, making the most of your time, redeeming the time. The days are evil. So when, what you devote your time to, let's talk about that. We devote our time to things we prioritize. Right? Your time is going to things you prioritize. Your job, if you like sports, uh, if you like going to concerts, shopping, whatever it is, you're not going to put your time somewhere in something you're not prioritizing. <laughs> Secondly, you devote your time to things you love. You know, some of you love to hunt. You love to fish. That's where your time might go. My time's going to go somewhere different. My time might go to PlayStation 5. You know, I'm a, I'm a big kid sometimes. You put your time on the things you love. You also, we can just sum it up by saying you put your time in the things you view as important. You know, I really believe that if you want to test how much faith you have, examine your giving. How's your giving on Sunday? That'll show how much faith you have. That's a big test of it. And if you want to know what you view is important, also see where your money's going and see where your time is going. So, time in a marriage. 
when you invest time in the relationship, being together, doing all kinds of things together, and I'll give you some practical things in just a second. When you don't do that, when you don't invest time in your marriage, what's going to happen is you're going to draw further and further away from your spouse. The less you're together, the further you get apart. You're also going to be contributing to killing the romance and the intimacy. That's going to get weak. When we're working all the time, I never see my wife, I never with her, so the romance goes down, the intimacy goes down, and the devil's like, yes. Yes. And you don't, you don't nurture the relationship and grow the relationship. I mean, it's not about just saying I do and that's it. We go from there. No, we got to grow this thing. We have to grow it. We have to nurture it. And we got to invest time to do that. So I got some practical things to do with our spouse, and I want to hear from you on this. So, some things to invest time. One is you're doing it right now. I'm looking around this room. You know what I see? I see married people at church together. That is wonderful. God bless you. I'm looking at Michelle, looking at Jason, looking at Ashley, looking at Tanner. I'm looking at Austin, looking at Janelle, looking at Lisa and Tom. You're spending time together right now. Notice it. And you're spending time doing the most important thing you can do. Worship God. Can't do, you can't do anything better with your time as a married couple than that. So that's one thing you do. And I will say this as a side note. I think Phil's got a great sermon on this. I think I've heard it before in the past. But uh, it's about choosing who you marry. About marriage and young people picking spouses. Look, I don't believe, and I've told you this, that it is a sin for a Christian to marry a non-Christian. I'm not going to say that's a sin, but I do think it's bad judgment. I've told you that before. And one of the reasons why I think it's bad judgment is because it's very likely you're not going to spend time doing this. Nurturing your relationship with God together through worship. Second thing you can do to spend time together, we got this, we've got this Bible reading we're doing. What a great opportunity. Not just checking boxes. There's so many things we can do with this Bible reading. We're trying to grow in our knowledge, grow in our maturity, but it's a great opportunity to spend five to ten minutes with your spouse just reading the Word, reading it, Maybe over a cup of coffee in the morning. And say, what do you think about it? Did you notice anything from that reading? That's a great time to spend time together. Date nights. Got to do date nights. Have to do date nights. Got to, every now and then, a couple of times a month, say, hey, you know, you got, we're at a point now where Shawn Michaels old enough to watch his sister. With the teenage years, there's some benefits to it. That's one of them. All right? How do you think we're able to come to y'all's name? But that's also why we had to leave a little early, too, because that can only go so long before we start wearing the house when we get burnt down. So, so, but you can get away a little bit, and we've done that. We'll go to a concert. We'll go to a movie. We'll just be together. Got to do that. Have a date night. Go to a game together. Go to a movie. Go out and eat. Go do something fun together. Also, somebody made the point exercising together. That's something you can do together. Let's go jog together. Let's go to the gym together. Let's, let's, let's stay fit together. There's nothing wrong with that. I also put, and this is a big one, it's obvious, but it's got to be put on their intimacy. And we said that we're going to be some time we talk about grown-up stuff in here a little bit. And when we say intimacy, we're talking about sex. That's for married people. And you know what? That takes an investment of time. And if we're not careful, we'll get so bogged down in life we're not making time for that. And that's not good. That's not good. One of the blessings of marriage is you can engage in a sexual relationship and not be in sin. <clears throat> you can glorify God that way. 
And it takes time to do that. So those were some things I had, uh, some thoughts I had there. Do anybody else maybe have something you want to say that maybe you've tried in your marriage, some things you think you need to bring out about investing time? Yes, Mackenzie. Yes, ma'am. You mentioned date night, and like, that's hard with small kids, right? Oh, yes. You talked about having a teenager. Um, I saw something maybe the last several months about that, and the end doesn't always have to be going out of the house. So maybe once a month for the pe people who have little kiddos, you go out to, to, to eat or whatever you want to do. But the other was like plan something like a treat night. Like one of you goes and grabs takeout or like grabs dessert out and brings it home or you watch a show at home over tea or we're kind of lame, but that's like no. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Hey, well, you got to do what works for you. And yeah. I'm gonna tell you something. Even with a teenage son, Janice and I do that. Yeah. I've told y'all that before. Every time when we put them to bed, you know, we have hours to ourselves. Well, we'll the TV's ours. Yeah. And we're gonna eat together. And we're gonna talk. And that's kind of a date night for yeah. us. As long as planned. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yes. It can't just be last minute. You heard that, didn't you, Jake? Take notes. No, go ahead, Yeah, no, to your point, you know, sometimes our culture focuses on the date nights and the, the events and things. And sitting down and orchestrating a lifestyle together and what kind of job you're going to take, what kind of career field you're going to go into, marrying that same kind of person, you know, are you going to exercise together? Yes. Yeah, are you going to have one car and be able to like live that way because yeah. you spend time together? And, you know, the everyday lifestyle kind of mundane things create time together, and those decisions are made pretty young and, and upfront in life. Oh, I think that's I think that's great. You know, the one thing that is true of all of us, we're all a different people. Some of us are wired differently, and every relationship's not going to be the same. We got to figure out what works for us. As long as we're not obviously violating God's will, we got to figure out what's going to work in our marriage. What may work for you guys may not work for us, but that's okay. It's all about nurturing the relationship. Yes, yes sir, Tanner, go right ahead. Uh, one time I come to you. One thing I learned uh, starting off with just my job, being on the same aircraft, working on the same aircraft for 12 years, uh, even though you guys have been on it for 20 years, there's still something to learn, something to figure out. And the same thing goes for relationships and yes. marriage. There's always something to grow, and when you start feeling stagnant, you both have to put in the time to grow. Absolutely. Just like anything else, we're talking about spiritual growth as individual Christians this year. It takes an investment of time. The same is true with your marriage. Absolutely. Tom, yes, sir. I was just going to say that on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, we don't have little kids anymore. Right. Actually, we're empty nesters now. Yeah. And yeah. I remember when... <laughs> <laughs> Getting them off the payroll is really good when you get that yeah. day yeah. gone. Yeah. 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 That's what it's really good. <laughs> but when Emma went away to school, I remember the first Friday night, we're looking at each other like, uh, what are we doing? Who are you? I've never seen you before. Yeah. 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 What yeah. are we doing? You know, and we're like, call Michelle, see if, if the kids have got a game or something, you know. But now it's time that we can invest in our, in building each other up, uh, additional family, you know, going to soccer games and, and spending time with, you know, just, it's time for us. I love that. You know, it's, you got it back. You earned it. Yes, ma'am. Then I want something final I want to say. Yes, ma'am. Um, my parents have not only good the example of my parents, but now that Jared and I are older, they now once a year plan out a vacation for both of them, for just them. Yes. So like last year, this year, they went to Hawaii. 
I love it. Time away, a long way away <laughs> from you guys. Yes. I love that. Now, I want to close with it. Y'all got some good comments today. Y'all make this class wonderful, and I love y'all.